0: Today we are continuing with our series that we've called uh, Following in the Way of Jesus. So if you have your Bible with you or you're using your phone or some other device, um, then uh, if you turn to uh, Luke chapter 4, we're going to read verses 31 through to 44. If you prefer just to listen, then that's great, and uh, I won't try and do the Move on with the dofer because I'm rubbish at that. Uh, hopefully, Alistair will move the scripture on as we read together. So you can just read from the screen if you want. So, when he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were amazed at his teaching, for his message was with authority. And there was a man in the synagogue possessed by a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, let us alone, what we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him without doing him any harm. An amazement came upon them all, and they began discussing with one another, saying, What's this message? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him was getting into every locality in the surrounding district. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering, or probably more correctly, was held captive from a high fever. And it left her. And she immediately rose and waited on them. And while the sun was setting... All those who had any sick with various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on every one of them, he was healing them. And demons were also coming out of many, crying out and saying, You're the Son of God. And rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak, because they knew him to be the Christ. And when the day came, he departed and went to a lonely place. And the multitudes were searching for him and came to him, And tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities. For I was sent for this purpose. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This passage is about power and authority. And I think there's a group of five questions. There's no prize for guessing where those questions come from. Richard has already won that prize. But I think there's a group of five important questions that we need to ask whenever we encounter power, whether that's power that we ourselves have or when we encounter powerful people or when we read about power in Scripture. So here's the group of five questions. There we go. Somebody's doing the PowerPoint for me. That's great. We need to ask, who has power? What is this power and where does it come from? What is this power doing and how is it used? A really key question. For whom is this power used? And is power accumulated or is it given away, distributed, And if it's distributed, if it's given away, then to whom is it given? Now, I tried to deal with these one by one, but there's too much of the postmodern and deconstructionist in me in that one's going to flow into the other as we look at it. But let's start with that first question of who has power. And perhaps the obvious answer is Jesus Jesus has power, and He also has authority. He has the permission, the means to use that power, and it comes from God. We've been looking in these past weeks at um, the events following Jesus' baptism. Jesus is baptized. The Father says, you are my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. The Spirit comes to rest upon Him. He goes into the desert, and then he returns to Nazareth, then it says that when he returns, he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And his coming down to Capernaum from Nazareth doesn't change that Jesus is acting in the power of the Spirit. Everything he does is in the power of the Spirit. So often we're tempted to do things in our own power, under our own steam. Are we doing everything we do in the power of the Spirit? Whether that's meeting a friend for coffee, doing what it is we do at work, sharing our faith with somebody So Jesus comes to Capernaum, and the casting out of the demon and the healing of Simon's mother-in-law removes any lingering doubt about who has power, some lingering doubt that may have hung over from Jesus going into the desert and his encounter with the devil there. The power that Jesus showed in the desert is perhaps less dramatic. But nevertheless, Jesus showed power that comes from God in the desert. The power to resist, the power to remain faithful, the power to remain true to who He is. The devil had tempted him with all these things. But Jesus knew who he was, who he is. He knew that he is the beloved son, that the father is well pleased in him. In the desert, Jesus' commitment to be faithful to his sonship is tested. The power to resist, the power to remain faithful is hugely important. But after this encounter, well, the devil kind of like, Jesus just goes away. They go their separate ways. And the passage we have just read removes any doubt about where true power lies. In the encounter in the synagogue, the man with the unclean spirit cries out, Have you come to destroy us? Now, Jesus doesn't so much answer that question with a word, but with actions. The answer, of course, is yes, Jesus has come to destroy. 1 John 3, 8 states that the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus has come to give life to people and to destroy the works of the evil one. In order for us to know fullness of life, there needs to be that destruction of the works of the evil one. Jesus is not about destroying people. The man here is not destroyed. The man here is set free. In verse 35, Luke tells us the unclean spirit left the man without doing him any harm. I think sometimes when it comes to things like this and the spirit moving in power, we can be a bit fearful. The unclean spirit left the man without doing him any harm. Jesus has power, and in the face of this power, the demonic is powerless. This is not a battle of equals or even near equals, it's a no contest. No contest. Alison came down and shared something that she felt that God was speaking to her about that there's people trying to move forward but that they're getting pulled back and that this has taken a specific form of families going through a hard time. Jesus is powerful. He releases us to move forward. Our second question is what is this power and where does it come from? Now the belief in demon possession was widespread in Judaism at this time. We find several accounts in writings about uh, evil spirits being dealt with. Um, There's one person who wards them off uh, with medicines. Another person burns smelly things. There's even a guy who has a special ring and pulls a demon out somebody's nose. There's an image for you. In contrast, and it is a contrast, a huge contrast, Jesus' power does not come from things or techniques. The power of Jesus is the power of the one who spoke this very world into being. Jesus demonstrates this power, so Luke tells us, through his teaching and his word. Not one or the other, but they go together. The crowds marveled at the authority and power of his teaching And it's this authority and power that causes the demon to cry out, causes the demon to cry out in fear. Now, Luke doesn't here tell us specifically what was powerful about Jesus' teaching, but I think we can piece this together. I think Jesus' teaching was powerful because it was full of truth and grace. Truth and grace belong together. When they get separated, we're in trouble. Truth and grace, two things that we so badly need in a world of lies, misinformation, propaganda, partisan rhetoric, which constantly seeks to set us up as them and us. Jesus' teaching was powerful because he was not all talk and no walk, but he was able to live out and demonstrate what he taught and deliver on what he promised. We don't know what he taught in Capernaum. Luke doesn't tell us. But I suspect that what he taught in Capernaum was exactly the same as what he taught in Nazareth. I suspect that in Capernaum, he too opened up the scroll and turned to Isaiah and read the following words. And I'm going to read it in a slightly different translation just because sometimes Scripture can become like wallpaper and it washes over us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor He has sent me, to proclaim for the captives, release, And to the blind sight, to send forth the oppressed in release, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was the heart of Jesus' teaching. It answers our question where does this power come from and what is this power doing? He, He has anointed me. The He here, of course, is God the Father. God who is love, God who is covenantally bound to his people. Jesus, fully human, fully divine, acts with the very power of God. And the overwhelming theme of the passage Jesus reads from Isaiah is release. To proclaim for the captives, release, to send forth the oppressed, in release. And then as if to emphasize this a hundred times more, he says, and this, this is the year of the Lord's favor, which for those both in Nazareth and Capernaum, what they would have heard is, this is the year of Jubilee. Now, the year of Jubilee was um, was that time in, in life of the people of Israel When people were released from their debts, when people were released from slavery and bonded labor, where land and property that had been lost because people couldn't afford to keep their payments and had to sell it, it was returned to those who it originally belonged to. And the land as well was released. The land was released from the burden of being worked and producing crops. To call this good news, I think, is something of an understatement. It's not just good news, it's brilliant news. But perhaps it wasn't good news for everyone. For sure, it was good news for the poor, because they were held captive by the powerful and the oppressed. Jesus declares that he is more powerful than those who think themselves powerful. To those already in power, the message is clear. There is a new king, there's a new regime. This release takes three forms. We're going to come round the Lord's Supper shortly where we remember that Jesus brings release, he brings forgiveness from sins. As we've just seen with Jesus casting out this unclean spirit, that Jesus brings release from the binding power of Satan. And he brings release from debts. This power is therefore used to release those who need forgiveness. Do we need forgiveness? It's used by those who are bound up by evil forceness and sickness and those who are dead. Are we bound up? Does sin keep entangling us? We can know release. It was a ministry to those who were marginalized and socially excluded. they were released from their captivity and oppression, not only allows them to enter back into wider society, but God's redemptive purposes are revealed in what we might call status reversal. Those who were excluded are now included. Those who were on the outside are now welcomed in. The good news of Jesus is good news to sinners, publicans, those who were on the outside. The distinctions based on social status and societal norms as defined by the world are reversed, are overturned, as Jesus challenges people to accept those who were previously unacceptable, are viewed as suspicion. And it's not just a welcome in, but it's a welcome home. To be welcomed by Jesus is to be brought into his family. This morning, we are family. We're not strangers sitting together. We're not like cloakrooms, like coats hanging in a cloakroom Together for an hour, then for the rest of the week, separated. We are family because Jesus has called us together. We don't know the response of the demon possessed man apart from when he fell to the ground, he was unharmed. And it seems rather obvious to say it, but I think it needs to be said. God is good. He is our good Father. He does not harm us, but He brings us into fullness of life. He frees us from our bondage to sin and calls us children. We are adopted. We are included in His family. God does not harm us, but calls us to fullness of life. The response of the crowds, we know what that is. Luke tells us that the crowds responded with amazement. But amazement without knowing who Jesus is leads to an inappropriate response. We see this both in Nazareth and in Capernaum. The crowds in Nazareth, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. The crowds in Capernaum may seem better, but they're actually, well, they're not actually any better. They act with a different kind of violence. Verse 42 tells us that they try to keep Jesus from going away from them. They try to keep Jesus all for themselves. We're called to follow Jesus, which suggests to me that Jesus is on the move. We can't keep Jesus confined to a static place. We need to be going where Jesus is going. We need to not try and keep him. And there's a danger, isn't there, is that we gather together we think that we're gathering together to keep Jesus here. No, we're gathering together to go out, encouraged, empowered to go where Jesus is going this week. Where is Jesus going? This week, where is the Spirit moving that we can go in the power of the Spirit and be there? Where's the captives? Where's those who need Jesus? Because that's where we need to be. Simon's mother-in-law, we don't even get to know her name, demonstrates what I think is for us a good response when Jesus does something. And it's easy to miss this cuz Luke simply tells us that she immediately rose and waited on them. You see Jesus didn't just release her from the fever that had taken her captive, but he restored her to her household. She was able to do that which she loved doing. I think is the implication in this. She loved waiting on people. And she's restored to this. You see, Jesus not only has the power to heal, but the power to restore. And this restoration allows the woman to respond with hospitality and gratitude, which I think indicates that she understood who Jesus is. Hospitality and gratitude can seem so mundane, so ordinary. Do we welcome Jesus? Do we show hospitality to Jesus? Well, how do we do that? Well, Jesus tells us how we do that. To the least of these, to the least of these, to the least among us that we treat with care and dignity and love. So we have shown hospitality and welcome to Jesus. Finally, Jesus is not interested in power for power's sake. He does not try to accumulate power. How could he? He already has all the power that there is. If Jesus had wanted power for the sake of power to just accumulate it, then he should have taken the devil's offer in the desert. But power and authority has come to Jesus as a consequence of his resisting the devil and choosing a different kind of power, of operating in the power of the Spirit, with the result that he now exercises authority and a power against the forces of evil. And Jesus does not keep this power for himself, but he distributes it to those who follow him In Luke 9, we read that he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them where? He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Are we following the way of Jesus? As disciples, following Jesus on the way of the kingdom. So we too... Are included in those disciples we read of in Luke 9. Jesus has empowered us. Jesus has given us power and authority, power and authority over demons, over the forces of evil, power and authority to, in his name, see healing. Power, not for the sake of power, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be sent out to do what? To proclaim the good news. To proclaim the kingdom. To see his kingdom expand and break into people's lives. Let's pray. Jesus, you are powerful, and you are love, and you are good, and you are welcoming. We thank you that your power is not a power which excludes, but is a power which releases and restores and draws us in. I thank you this morning that you have drawn us in, but you draw us in to send us out. Spirit of God, would you come upon us afresh, that as we go from here this morning, so we like Jesus would go in the power of the Spirit. So we, like Jesus, would proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So we would see you, God of miracles, show your loving, caring, healing, restoring, releasing power in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, that people would turn to you that they would know release and healing and wholeness in Jesus. We thank you that your power doesn't dissipate, that you are as powerful today as you were on that Sabbath day in Capernaum. Come afresh. Move among us, we ask and pray.